0: Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.
2: Welcome to this week's episode of the it's Utah's World Podcast. Steve Bartle alongside myself, Tom Hackett. Uh, please check out Steve on Twitter at sbartle247. You can also check his work out at UteZone.com. Seven-day free trial is available uh, for all you Utah football junkies. It, look, it, uh, you know, I, I know I say this a lot, but if you're a fan of Utah football, you, you're a fool, you're an idiot, if you don't take at least advantage of the seven-day free trial to, to check out what uturn.com provides, because uh, you, Steve, alongside a number of other insiders, will kind of keep you guys up to date on the recruiting front and everything going on within the program. So uh, check that out, and um, and you'll thank, you'll thank us for it later. And then myself, at it on Twitter, or uh, KSLSports.com is where... The website's the digital platform I currently work for. We'd appreciate your, uh, your, your. your uh, uh, I don't know what you, you, know, just click the bloody website and go there is what I'm trying to say. Uh, NateWadeSubaru.com is uh, our sponsor, and we greatly appreciate them. 2107 South Main Street. They're in the market for the used cars. Here's the deal, uh, and I say this with, with nothing but love, but you go down to Nate Wade Subaru, and that lot, that lot's like half empty. They can't get enough contain they can't get enough cars in there. I spoke to a spoke to a a fellow that works down there not that long ago. He said they got 98 cars coming in. 78 of them have already been sold. They're yet to hit the dealership. So if you need a car, you need to go down to Nate Wade and you need to get yourself sorted because the car industry at the minute, I mean, I'm sure you guys have heard of the the 65, 70 odd shipping containers or, or shipping. Um, uh, ships that are docked out off the coast of California. It's all got the cars on them. So anyway, Nightwing Subaru, love them. Uh, this is going to be a rough episode, and um, we're going to do our best as I take a sip of coffee to uh to kind of navigate our way through this. Um, the passing of Aaron Lowe occurred Saturday evening uh, at a house party. As it stands right now. Uh, it is eleven oh three Thursday on September thirtieth. No arrest has been made, um, and we we are going to do everything we can to uh, to try and pay our respects to Aaron Lowe, and then we are going to we're going to swiftly navigate onto what we saw against Washington State in an attempt to uh, to simply try and talk football because of the sort of anxiety, stress, and, uh, and 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 anxiety that such a um, tragic topic brings. Um, Steve and I have some inside information that we will not be sharing on this podcast, so we apologize. I'm sure you will hear a fair bit about what went down or unfolded uh, early Sunday morning in Sugar House over the coming days and weeks. But, Steve... Um, Welcome to the show. It's obviously been a pretty difficult and uh, and heavy week for uh, yourself uh, and the entire Utah football family. Um, wh- what what did you what did you make of Aaron Lowe the person, Steve? What do you best remember about about ALO the human, the personality?
3: Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's definitely. Uh, um a tough subject to, uh, to talk about anytime. Right. Like, uh, and it's, it's sucked that we've, we've kind of had two of these episodes in nine months. Right. Like it's, uh, it's tough. So, um, definitely a tragic event to happen in our own backyard. Um, and so, you know, Aaron Lowe was, man, he was a good kid. He, uh, he was a a good, good kid. Um, I went back and like, uh, cause I had talked to him quite a bit during his recruitment. Right. And, you know, so, you know, I had a few phone call conversations, had a lot of messages back and forth with him and, um, and all that. And, you know, he was a kid that just, he loved, he loved Utah. Right. Like, I remember he unofficially visited over the summer and I talked to him after his trip and he just, you know, he, he was like, man, I stepped off the plane and you know, seeing the city, seeing, um, seeing campus, getting up to campus, seeing the environment, man, I just, I I loved it. And, uh, and so like he, he just, uh, he was a guy that, that loved the program. He had a special relationship with Morgan Scally, um, one that he, he valued a lot. And so it was, uh, you know, he's just a good kid that loved the Utah football program was the type of kid that, you know, really kind of bought into, uh, not only bought into, but, but the type of kid that thrived in Utah's culture, right. That workmanship blue collar type of mentality. He was that type of kid was you know pretty quiet, pretty humble, um, you know, publicly and, and all of that, but in, in private settings, you know, where it's him, his teammates and that, like he was, you know, he's a funny guy, um, and, and all of that. So he was, he was a good presence in the locker room uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, and so it's, he was, uh, he was a good, good kid for sure.
2: Yeah. I, um, I've had the chance to speak to a, a few players. In fact, um, well, like I guess I don't need to go there. But the new Australian punter is 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 is, is from Australia, obviously, and we don't really there's know a much,
3: relationship.
2: Yeah, we don't really know much about guns, so um, so I had to kind. Of, I still don't know much about guns, to be fair, but I had to kind of explain to him that they do exist and these things. These things do kind of happen over here, which which they just don't. They don't happen in Australia, but um, he he was kind of telling me because I was asking him and you know almost trying to um trying to trying to help him uh understand and uh and play that role of of mentor but he he was telling me about kind of the conversations that have been going on within the locker room about Alo and um a, a, and he 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 didn't have any enemies uh he always yeah he, he always loved he, he everybody loved Alo. I mean it was like um he was a very lovable human from all from all reports Steve and uh, he had a massive smile everybody's been taught. Talk- everybody's been talking about his smile uh, and those big white teeth and the hugs. He was a big hugger, I guess. And so for, 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 for something like this to occur to somebody like that, it, 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 it's just not, well, it's not fair ever. And it doesn't make any sense. And, um, and it's a complete and utter tragedy and there's no other way yeah. to go about it. And, um, and the fact it just, it's, it's, the fact that you know nine months, almost to the day, one of his best friends, Ty Jordan passed with, um, you know, with it, with the gunshot wound himself. And he had the number 22. He was the first recipient of the Ty Jordan Memorial scholarship. I mean, it just, the universe works in the strangest of ways. And, uh, it was very, very peculiar and it doesn't make sense. And it's not right. And, um, and it's unfair, to be, to be, to yeah. be perfectly frank. So, um, look, the, the best I can say, Steve, and then I'll, I'll kind of let you, is is I just, I hope the Utah football family, the players and the coaches, Alo's family, all of his relatives, anybody that knew him, uh, I hope that they're okay, and I hope that they will one day see some light in the future, and, and I send nothing but love uh, to all of those people, because I, I just I cannot imagine the pain that they're dealing with, um, and as it relates to the Utah football team and and how they go the rest of the year, I I don't care. It doesn't matter because it's a yeah. game, and I, I I cannot imagine what those pe- what those kids and coaches are going through. Uh, the second time in nine months, as we as I mentioned earlier. So if they come out and play great football fantastic if they come out and play poorly fantastic it doesn't matter at this point it's yeah um yeah it's irrelevant because life is about uh surviving and uh and they lost somebody so yeah it's it's heartbreaking
3: no absolutely tom and i think that sums it up really well i i think you know the priority moving forward has to be you know the uh the health of of the players of the coaches. You know not just physical health, but the, you know the mental health more importantly um, you know this is tragedy has a way of you know it rocks you to your core right and you'll learn you learn a lot about yourself um, when these types of things happen right and and all of these players are going to learn you know how they how they cope. And, you know, it's going to be important for coaches, for, um, you know, auxiliary staff to be mindful of players uh, because we all kind of cope with these events in our own special ways, in our own unique ways that, you know, we feel is best for us. And so there is no cookie cutter way to cope with these types of tragedies. Uh, We all just kind of have to go through it on our own and work through it. And so I hope that that is, and I, and I'm positive that this is going to be the focus for the football program moving forward is, you know, ensuring that all of these players, you know, are, are in a good frame of mind um, to continue moving forward. It's tough. Like I was, uh, I was sitting here Monday and um, you know, they uh, saw a couple of things. I was scrolling through Twitter and, you know, I saw a couple um, a couple of football accounts highlight, you know, Devin Lloyd and Karenny Reed and TJ Pledger. And I thought, you know, how difficult is this having a tragedy like this, but having guys that have a lifetime opportunity right now to take care of their families, you know, with the potential for, you know, an NFL career to make money playing football, you know, they can't, they can't press pause right now, right? Like we have to continue moving forward uh, because, you know, TJ Pledger is looking for an opportunity to take care of his daughter. Devin Lloyd is looking for a way to take care of his family. And so we can't press pause. We have to keep moving forward. And that's kind of what sucks is, you know, the TJ or the Ty Jordan uh, situation. It was the end of the season and, and I think there was, you know, it, it allowed for us to kind of mourn and grieve for, you know, an extended period of time. Uh the unfortunate thing here is, you know, we, we players, coaches have to move forward, you know, with their their goals, their big picture goals um in mind and, and continue moving forward in that way. And so I hope that Utah football takes care of their players, you know, and and ensures that they're in a good frame of mind. But I also hope that we continue to honor 22, continue to honor Aaron Lowe, uh, make it a point, you know, as often as we can to remember Aaron Lowe um, and to keep him in our thoughts moving forward, uh, just because it is important to remember him because he was, he was such a vital part. And so this is, it's a difficult situation for a variety of reasons. And the fact that we're in the middle of a season, you know, it's it's tough. And so we need to, you know, I hope that Utah does everything that they can now to to honor Aaron Lowe and what he brought to the program, what he brought to the university and, you know, the community here in Salt Lake City.
2: Yeah. I um I urge I urge fans and listeners of this podcast in particular, obviously, um, to think about it. In a, in a in a maybe different way than they have in the past, and and Ty, the Ty Jordan impact on the field was immense. Yeah, I mean, I I can't remember a freshman, a true freshman, coming in and and playing that sort of role. I mean, what he was able to do on the field was remarkable. It was incredible. Yeah, uh, and the future from a football standpoint he had in front of him was as big as I've ever seen. And so when he yep. passed away, you know, it was a tragedy for for multiple reasons. As every Passing is at, at such a young age, but you know a big part of you know I'm sure was was the fact that he was so influential on the field how could it happen to somebody with so much talent you know yeah. Aaron Lowe wasn't necessarily nearly as influential but, but, but what I urge fans to to think about is there are multiple ways a human being or a football player in particular can have an impact on the team yeah um and players play well um, because because they're enjoying the environment. Players play poorly because they're not enjoying the like. There are so many variables in play when it comes to psychology and uh, and playing playing well and being informed and playing with confidence. I mean, there there are just so many things that go on. But the impact Aaron Lowe had off the field in the locker room was was massive. It was huge. Yeah. He was yes. a a core piece to this football team. So fans, I'm sure aren't thinking of Aaron Lowe in the same sense. They are Ty Jordan, but it's a completely different, it's a completely different uh, ball game here mentally. And so the players, I'm not saying Ty Jordan didn't have an impact in the locker room. I'm I'm sure he did, but but that was a niche or at least, you know, so far in his career, he could have turned out to be, to be a special player. We, we, We will never know, unfortunately, but he he had a massive impact in the locker room, right. and so for these players, uh, they're experiencing sadly g- g- grief once again in the form of a, a, a shooting um, and the passing of a teammate. And so um, it's 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 unfathomable. It's heartbreaking, um, and I just hope everybody that knew Alo well. Um, And those that didn't know him well, I hope they're okay. And that that goes out to the listeners too. I mean, I hope our listeners are okay when it comes to this because it's such a shock and you may not have had a a personal relationship with him necessarily, but uh, there was an affection there. I mean, he donned the Utah uniform with pride, pride, I should say. And so there was a connection with him and uh, and the fan base. And so uh, I just hope... You know, I ho- I hope people can reflect on um, on their mental health and and if they need to go seek help, just just go seek help. It's okay. I think we're entering an age, if we haven't already, where you know I, I'm under the opinion anyway that um, that those that can go speak to a, a therapist or, or or be pretty open about their thoughts, I, I I think they're the strongest people in this world. So I I um. I, I urge everybody out there to yeah. um to do what's necessary and, and look after themselves because this this world is precious as um as the two most recent tragedies have taught us, it's um it's very precious. Um, Steve, yeah. with that, let's um and this doesn't necessarily feel right, so to speak, but in an attempt to try and talk some football, um let, let let's let's talk a bit about that that Washington State game. Yeah, um, because it was it was a good game. Um, it 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 was promising. It was not perfect. It um, as as you'd imagine. Uh, where do you where, where do you stand now when it comes to and and and, and this is such a it's such a weird conversation because the future of utah football is now unknown and as i mentioned earlier it doesn't matter what happens i don't think right. anymore it just it's um it's irrelevant. you know they could lose every yeah. game from here on out and and i guess that's part of it too is is i feel for the players because there's now and, and whether they they're not going to admit this but there is an added pressure on these players to perform because they want to perform for for, for ty jordan and Alo. they they want to make sure that their legacies Lived on, and, and their affection for the game is felt with how the current players on the football team play, and then that is a, that is that is pressure that cannot be described. Right. So, yeah. So, so, I really hope, uh, I, I and I don't know if this is even possible, but I hope the current players can somehow find a way to not feel that pressure. Um. But they're gonna feel it. It's it's inevitable. Yeah. Um, and in fact, a few earlier this week, I was thinking, I, I wonder if they're even gonna play against USC. Like like how how, how can you play against USC? Like I, I don't even know how you could play against USC. And it sounds like they're gonna try, and yeah. to credit them for for at least trying. But um, but I don't know if I I don't know if I could. I, I don't know if yeah. mentally I could have the strength to go out there. And play a game when so much has gone on. Literally two weeks. It'll be two weeks to almost to the day, yeah. if not to the day. I think when they play USC. So, um, yeah. I mean, I, I I don't have any answer for our listeners. I don't I don't know how they play. Um, right. I, I, it's not that I'd be surprised if they did play necessarily, but part of me was thinking earlier this week. I are they even gonna play oh, Steve?
3: Right. Yeah. No. It's it's uh again, this is the type of event where it you know it shakes you to your core, right, and so you just kind of realize what's important here and and I think you know the players, like I was talking about earlier, you know for a lot of these players, there's still the opportunity down the road um you know where they're this is this is their opportunity to kind of um. You know, this is this is their this is their way to take care of of you know their their future to to ensure that their future is 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 taken care of for for a few of these guys, um for quite a few of these guys actually. And so there there is that dynamic. Um but for for most of these guys, you know, this is this is going to be it. Like this is Utah football, college football is where, you know, they're, they're playing careers end. And so there is this dynamic now where you know how how do you respond to it how do you handle this event this tragedy and how do you uh, how do you move forward with this you know weighing on you right like you you can't just ignore it right it is going to be there you're you're going to have those memories you're going to have those those thoughts those emotions that come with that right like I've, uh, I didn't like, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't up at practice. I wasn't practicing with him every day. Right. Like I interacted with him a couple times, uh, you know, quite a few times during his recruitment, but that was, that was what, three years ago, you know, I get choked up talking about him, you know, so you can only imagine the emotional impact it's going to have on guys that are interacting with him every day. Right. And, and that's, that's kind of the thing here is it's such, a wild card factor here that, you know, for us that follow the team, for fans that, that root for this team, we don't really know what to expect. Um, I think there's, you know, this team could use this and it could buoy them up and, and, you know, they can play with that added emotion. It could also weigh them down and, and, you know, where they unfortunately just, you know the season doesn't go the way that they hope, and you know either one of those are are possible. They could you know go the rest of the season 500. Like they, it, we just don't know, right? Because this is such a wild card factor. Um, but I, again, I hope that this is something that you know, Coach Whittingham, his coaching staff, again like we've said throughout the show, this is just a game, you know, football is is secondary. Now it's, it's about the players. It's about their health um, and and ensuring that they're in a good frame of mind to continue playing this game. Um, But again, for a lot of these guys, there is that opportunity to, um, you know, ensure their future um, with, with this. And so, uh, it's tough. This is a tough situation because, you know, you can't you can't press pause on the season um, and, and reschedule a game later on. Like you have to kind of move forward. And so how they the, and the crazy thing is, is that, you know, this did happen with a bye week. And, and I can't imagine if there was a game on Saturday that they would play it. I can't can't even can't even imagine what that would be like to have a game on Saturday. Fortunately, they have this bye week to kind of focus on this to ensure that everybody is okay uh, and to um, you know prepare themselves for what the rest of the season is going to be like. Um, because, like I said just a couple of minutes ago, this is this isn't going to go away. This isn't going to you know disappear. The the feelings, the emotions, everything that comes with this are going to remain, um, and so it's. The, the bye week is good because it will allow, you know, the players, the coaches um, to prepare themselves to move forward with this being a part of them. And so it's, uh, it's, you know, it is an X factor. We don't know what to expect, but I hope that, and I've seen a lot of support from the fans, which is awesome. You know, I've seen a lot of commentary that they're going to be there supporting the team, regardless of what happens. And I think that that is awesome. I think that that is such a a fantastic thing for the fan base to do to rally around this team, to show their support, you know, to to be there at Rice Eccles, um, you know, full capacity and all that, regardless of of what happens on the field, you know, to be there and to to show their support. I think that that's a a big big deal. Would be a big big deal for this team and and what it means to them. Uh, to have the fan base support to know that they have it and I think the fans have done a good job of voicing their support um, in a variety of ways and it's it's been really really cool to see
2: yeah it's been awesome you know I I was talking about whether you know whether or not they even play the USC I have no doubt Steve that there have been internal conversations with the playing group and the coaching staff and the administration as to as to how they best handle it do they play the USC game do they do they play the rest of the year or, or do they simply just take time off? And then, you know, part, part of that conversation would have been, well, Ty and Aaron and the passion they had for the game of football was, was so intense and so high. You know, as hard as it is to, to fathom what's occurred, it, it also, I, I'm sure part of all of this, it, it would feel wrong. It would almost feel like a disservice to those players to boycott the year to boycott the yeah. game against USC or whatever, and um, and so, and so, I, th- I think come USC, I, I, you know, I think they're going to play. I have no, there's yeah. no indication that they're not going to play, and I think part of that is, is simply out of respect for the love and the passion that, that Ty and Aaron had for the game of football. Yeah, uh, that is what they would both want. They would want Utah, I would think. To, to play the game and yeah, yeah but, but but what, we, what we've what we been talking about I think is relevant in the sense that I who knows how they play um we don't have an answer hell I I don't even think that the players would know or I don't even think Carl Whittingham would know how they're gonna play um yeah but but as we've both said it doesn't it doesn't really matter how they play at this point um it's this is a, a wild crazy time for this for this group of, of young individuals and so all that matters is they do their best and and I know it sounds cliche but, but they're doing everything they can to prepare themselves for the upcoming game against USC they're doing everything they can to to try and to try and get their their mental their mental health in check as best as they can uh and, and it will be interesting to some extent to see how they come out and perform uh and it will be a story but but there are no answers right now as to how this affects the group in one way or another um, this tragedy with Aaron did occur after the game against Washington state. And if we can take any of what we saw against Washington state, we can say that this team has gotten better since the start of the year. Um, I thought the offensive line, Steve was, was, was vastly improved uh, against a Washington state defense. That isn't necessarily known for its defense. Uh but I think the offensive line played played pretty well. I, I thought Cam Rising gave a small spark um, at the very least. You know, I, I think his presence and and by the way, I think Cam Rising and the impact he's had on this team to date has been nothing short of spectacular. And I think yeah. his his role only grows now as as a true leader of this team. He is somebody that. Um, is nothing but positive energy, and he—he uh, he, he, it doesn't matter what happens. <laughs> and you heard oh, – I, I heard Brett Keithy – I'm sure you heard it. I, I think he was speaking to Bill Riley during the, uh, the, the, the Carl Woodingham Coaches Show a couple of weeks ago, and Brant kind of said it perfectly. He said it doesn't matter, doesn't matter what happens in the game. You can always rely on Cam Rising to be positive. You know, they can go three yeah. and out on three consecutive series, and he'll be on the sideline – Talking about how we're okay and and this is what we do Man. to fix it and and so and so so to have somebody like that, especially during a time now, is invaluable. It's priceless. You you can't put a monetary value on the importance he will play, uh, which is which is which is crucial um, because they need all the love and all the positive energy that they can get at the minute. So so I I, I think I think it's it, it's 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 going to be really fascinating. To see how to see how this team t- grows. I mean the, the big elephant in the room is obviously the the fumbles Steve and I'd love to kind of yeah. get your thought on on that. was what, what, how yeah. much of that do you think was the inability of Utah to keep the football in their own hands or uh, part of me also was watching that game and I thought man, Washington State uh, it's almost like they went into this game no one they could potentially get the football on a handful of occasions. They, they were they were vying for the football. They were they were trying to punch the ball out as as often as they can, and more so than you you you'd normally see. So yeah, so I think it was it was kind of a bit of both, don't you reckon? Washington State yeah. with a pretty good game plan, and and Utah being rather lazy and um and, and silly with with the football. Yeah.
3: No, I, so so first, you know, going back to Cam, you know, as you were talking, like it just the The wheel started tur- turning right in my in my brain, and I'm just, you know, regardless of like your beliefs, like I've, I'm a big believer in things that happen for a reason, and the fact that Cameron Rising um, was the guy, you know, emerged as the guy, uh, you know, last weekend, two weekends ago, whatever, whatever, um, you know, just just crazy how things have happened to where he is now the guy he is the leader, he is exactly the type of positive um, reinforcing type of guy that this team will need and and will need to lead them and so like I said, I'm a big believer in things that happen for a reason and cam entering you know taking over the job, being the personality that he is uh, like you said, Tom you know, his role, his value to the team has only increased now with, uh, with, with this tragedy, just with what he brings to the table, the type of person that he is, um, guys are really going to need him and and are going to rely on him a lot. I'm sure. Um, but going, uh, but switching gears and and going, you know, talking about those fumbles, the fumbles were really the story of the game. And it, it really kind of, I don't want to say interrupted, but, um, disrupted a lot of Utah's offensive, um, just a lot of their offensive flow, uh, you know, a lot of their momentum. Uh, they they had a couple of drives where it seemed like, okay, they started to get things going. The run game is going. Uh, they completed some passes, uh, which is always nice to see. Uh, but the fumbles just kind of, like, interrupted things. You know, every time Utah had something going, they put the ball on the deck and, and it just, you know, it was just one of those games and, and give credit to Washington state because they were very aggressive in going for the football, punching the football, ripping the football, raking it. Um, you know, they were, <laughs> they were, you know, 100, percent clued in on that. And, uh, and so it was, uh, they deserve a lot of credit for, um, trying to force as many turnovers as they did. Utah's obviously got to take better care of the football. Uh, you know, if you you don't lose the ball in a couple of those situations, the game is likely out of hand by the third quarter or the early fourth quarter where you've got a couple scores. So, you know, outside of the fumbles, I, I, I do think we saw progress from the offensive line. Uh, Washington State is not a USC or an Oregon defense or an ASU defense, but it is on par uh, with you know San Diego State and BYU uh, both defenses which gave Utah uh, fits with some of the things that they do up front, and so it was good to see progress from the offensive line. I thought that they they finally showed physicality up front in the run game. Um, you know, they, they really generated a lot of movement up front, which created some opportunities. There were still, you know, some missed blocks, uh, which, which led to some, some tackles in the backfield. Uh, so that, you know, they're, they're not perfect. They're not, you know, we're, we're talking positively about the offensive line, but there's still a lot of room for progress for, for improvement there. But I do think that we saw, them take a step forward and kind of get back, gain back their, their identity as a physical line. Obviously we need to see it continue though. Uh, You can't just kind of take that game and and feel good about it. You got to keep pushing and keep, keep showing progress in that regard. But, uh, but yeah, you know, the offense had its struggles. I think the, the big story, you know, from the game was the defensive performance. Um, You know, the Utah defense has, been, has been good. Uh, I think scores, special team scores have kind of um, kind of um, impacted the, the the view and the vibe of how well um, this defense is has played. Uh, if you look at what the defense has allowed over the last few weeks, they've been really good. Um, there's just been some special team scores that have kind of inflated the score a little bit. But I thought that that defensive performance, you know, led by Devin Lloyd and Kereni Reed, uh, was was incredible. That defensive line did a great job, Dan Fillinger, with three sacks. Um, you know, it was good to see that performance from the defense. Uh, and, and it seems like they've kind of gotten back to that Utah brand of Utah defense, which was really, really encouraging because, you know, they're going to need it moving forward.
2: They lost... Three safeties, Steve, and oh, um, geez. We, we don't really have an update. We probably won't get an update maybe until next week. If not, we may have to wait until the game against USC to see who trots out there at the safety spots. But, you know, that they, they got banged up. And with how Karini Reed played at linebacker, uh, part, part of me starting to think that, Nephi Sewell could potentially against USC be seen at, at the safety position. Um my only concern is that he put on he he put on about 20 odd pounds, 20 to right. 30 pounds to play linebacker. To then throw him back there and play safety at his weight uh, wouldn't be easy, but look, it's it's serviceable. Um and so there's certainly concern there. Is that is that a, is that a legitimate option in your opinion? Assuming that the three safeties um, that they lost are, are not going to be good good enough or healthy enough to play against USC, do, do you see a, a scenario where Karini Reed continues to to play alongside Devon Lloyd at that that linebacker role, and and Nephi Sewell kind of goes back into into his previous. First position, I guess. Played there two years at Nevada um, as a safety. Yeah. I mean, that's not the end of the world, is it, Steve?
3: No, I think it's. I think it's something that you can actually utilize. You know, here and there. I don't think it's something that you want to move him back to safety full time, right? Yeah. Like, um, but I do think it's something where in situational football, I think it's something that you can utilize. You know, you could even go. You know, the three linebackers uh, with Sewell, Reed, and, and Lloyd. You can have Malone Matele still out there in the nickel uh, with, you know, whoever the the, the free safety is going to be. You can do that in certain situations. I just don't think you want to like, because like you said, it's difficult, right? With the added weight, like it's it's difficult because the safety, you're out in space so much more. You're in man coverage against, you know, slot receivers, tight ends. That added weight is really kind of, it puts you in a tough spot. So. You know, I don't think that he can transition back to strong safety per se, but I do think that you can use him in a way as kind of a strong safety in certain situations. So it, it does help to have him there, uh, to have that, to have Reed emerge and then to have that versatility with Sewell. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you, Tom. That added weight, it, it would make things really tough for him to, to kind of move back to strong safety full time
2: i uh, i just uh i just saw something as of a few minutes ago mel Kuyper, steve uh just yeah. came out with his insider mock draft i don't know if you've seen it yet uh it may may have been earlier this morning it was released but yep. mel kuiper he's uh for those that are on a ways one of the um uh insiders when it comes to n f l mock drafts and he's pretty good about trying to determine where where certain players are going to fall here's devin lloyd going at uh, at number eleven like uh yeah He's on the, on the on the verge of it about it. He's on the verge of a top ten NFL pick, Devin. Yeah. I mean, look, I I, I believe it. He, he, uh, he's, a, he's an amazing player, and he pops right. up all the time. Uh, he had that remarkable interception midway through the contest against Washington State, where he, he, he just he picked off uh, Washington State, who were trying to attempt a wide receiver bubble screen, and he was on the edge. And he just stuck out his left palm and then grabbed it with two hands as it was on its way down to the ground. I mean, he he is yeah. It was incredible. It was incredible. And, and he is an incredible player. He's an incredible leader. We spoke about Cam Rising and the leadership he provides. Uh, Devon Lloyd, you can you can throw him in the same in the same boat when it comes to that sort of stuff. He is um, the leader of the defense. Cam Rising is the leader of the offense. Both players are the leader of the team. Uh, but to see him at number eleven, Steve, that uh, that's that's pretty cool. That that's I, yeah. I mean we can. We can, we can play with that.
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, uh, it was, it's pretty cool to see him that high, right? Like <laughs> he wasn't even ranked in Mel Kuyper's last board. Um, and to see him at 11, it really, it says a lot about him. Um, I, I actually, so I went to media day, Pac-12 media day, and I uh, had a conversation with Devin Lloyd. And, you know, he shared with me, you know, he got his, his NFL draft grade and it was really good. Um, you know, it was it was a firm second, third round grade, uh, and you know, so he was feeling good about it. He talked about you know his love for the University of Utah, and you know, wanting to come back to play for you know the University of Utah because you know it's provided him so many great opportunities. It was a really cool um, explanation of of his decision to come back. But he shared with me, you know, his grade, and he shared with me. He was graded higher than a linebacker that was taken in the first round. I can't remember the the linebacker's name last year that he mentioned, but you know he just kind of looked at me like I had, you know, <laughs> like he he gave me this little look like, come on now, you know, I'm I'm in good shape here um, <laughs> it was was what his eyes were telling me, and so you know it's it's awesome to see him. At number eleven, like you said, like it's it's cool that he's getting the recognition, but to see him at eleven, eleven, that's, that's incredible, right? He is a top fifteen guy, and his play, man, like it's all valid. It, it all checks out. He's been just incredibly versatile. Um, you know, at his size with his athleticism, he's able to do it in coverage. Uh, he's able to do it as a pass rusher he attacks downhill against the run like he is he's the complete package at linebacker and it's awesome to see a guy that's worked as hard as he has be rewarded like this and to to get the recognition that he has it's been it's been really really incredible so you know good on Devin lloyd um really really happy for him because he is a guy that has uh he's you know it's it's as real as it gets with, uh, with Devin Lloyd, man, like he is, um, he's real off the field. His personality, everything, you know, checks out with Devin Lloyd. He is, he is the real deal.
2: Yeah. Number, not number, 11. I mean, I, I look for what it's worth and yeah, I'm no insider when it comes to mock drafts or trying to determine a, a player player's talent based on the round they're going to be picked in. But, you know, I, I, I always have said following last year in particular, I think he's a, he's a true second round guy, at least, you know, and I know there was conversation that maybe it was a third, maybe even a fourth round. I'm like, uh, I don't see four, but, but to see him at number 11, I mean, and and with, with how he's playing Steve, I mean, you'd have to yeah. assume that the signs are pointing only in, in one direction. And uh, there's a chance he's a, he's a top 10 NFL pick, which would, and there's, look, there's already an argument to be made that he's the greatest ever linebacker to come out of Utah. Uh, and there have been good ones, by the way. There have been really good linebackers. Gianni Paul, Jared Norris. I mean, the list, the list goes on. Chase Hansen, Cody Barton. I mean, just over the last decade, there have been a bunch of players come out of Utah that linebacker role. But yeah, I, look, I, I have to start to really think Devin Lloyd may be the best out of all of them, which is a true credit yeah. to him. Uh, hey, before we get out of here, I do want to pick your brain ever so quickly about the Utah wide receivers, is, is there any concern on your end when it comes to the wide receiving group? There's 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 a lot of there's been a lot of talk about this group and how formidable they can be. The, 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 you know the, they've got such diversity in a sense. Um, you know, whether you're looking at the tight ends and how formidable and 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 progressive they can be, Britton Covey at the slot, Jalen Dixon's obviously showcased his talent and on the outside. There was a lot of talk and discussion about Devon Valley. Um, and Solomoninus and, and and these guys. I, I look. I, I I don't want to over exaggerate, but I, I do think questions need to start being asked, Steve. Because outside of you know, Brent Covey or or Brad Keithy, um, the, we haven't seen a ton from Devon Vele. We haven't. Solomon Innes has been yeah. good, but he but he hasn't necessarily been consistent. He just had one catch for 14 yards against Washington State. I mean, where, where, where are you at when it comes to the wide receiving group? Is that and what level of concern do you have going forward? Are you still pretty um, optimistic that, that this is a, a group that, that can really start to gel and and provide provide some wins for Utah? Or are you starting to worry that maybe this is just another really talented group that'll go
3: underutilized? Man, I tell you what, like there, <laughs> there's concerns. Um, but it's it's less about the receiver group than it is about, you know, other things, right? Like through the first three weeks or whatever it was, the offensive line, like the pass protection was was god awful. And it really impacted the passing game. We all we you know, like Charlie Brewer was back there and and it was, you know, he couldn't he had no time. Like so it, it's there's that. So you lost three games. Because offensive line protection just wasn't up to par. Um, two games, And Steve. so two games. True. Weber State, they were able to showcase the, the passing attack um, a little bit. Solomon Innes had a nice game against Weber State. He also had uh, you know San Diego State with Cameron Rising back there. I think we, we saw what the, the passing game is um, is capable of. I think Utah had – Keithy, Covey, and Enos with at least what was it? It was at least 50 yards, all of them. I think Covey and Keithy had or Enos and Keithy had like 70 yards or something like that. Anyways. So um Washington State, you know, I think we were all kind of hoping to see the passing game open up a little bit. And it was it was disappointing to see <laughs> to not see it. Right, because it looked like the offensive line did a good job. Um, Part of it too was the fact that Rising got the ball out of his hands really quickly, and I think that that was kind of by design. I want to say like there was an an
2: emphasis on that, wasn't there?
3: Yeah, no. You like it was like consistently like that. You know, with how consistent he was getting the ball out of his hands as quickly as he was. Like, I'm pretty sure that was. You know, that wasn't just him, (laughs) you know, that was, that was, uh, that was something, you know, by design, play call, whatever, to get the ball out quickly, to get it to Keithy, to get it to Covey and to, to let those guys kind of do their thing, you know, and so those guys got a lot of targets. Um, Keithy is interesting to me. He is, you know, obviously he's a tight end, but I almost look at him as like a wide receiver, you know, as well. I kind of count him more as a wide receiver than tight end. Um, but still, it, it would be nice to just kind of have everything come together, um, to have a game where the passing attack is, is explosive, is efficient. Like, I do think Utah has the receivers to have a pretty decent throw game. Um, it's just been, you know – it's just been the offensive line has struggled. The, you know you make the transition from Charlie Brewer to Cameron Rising. What, what kind of impact does that have? Um, I hope that we've seen – I hope the progress that we've seen with the offensive line is real, and I hope that that continues because they're going to need to continue to get better to allow the passing game to kind of open up a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, there's, there's definitely concerns because we haven't seen it so far. It's been four games. We haven't seen it, um, and 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 I, you know, we we need to. We we've got to see it at some point. Um, so yeah, there's concerns, but I I hope that there are, there have been indications that it can all come together. Uh, we just need to see it all come together. <laughs> yeah, it's so fun. it's so
2: funny. You see, you mentioned Brian Keith as more of a wide receiver. I was thinking to myself, watching the Washington State game, like I, it'd be really cool to see him out there, you know, as as the widest receiver on the field and see what he's capable of when you need to throw him. You know, uh, in a more tight end position, you can do. I mean, he's just so versatile. So it'd be interesting to see how they handle that. Dalton Kincaid the same way. You can jump out of the sky and you yeah. uh, know yeah, throw him out yeah. into some wider positions, especially you know when you're in the red zone. We we know about the red zone struggles for Utah, not just this year, but as of late. And and see if you can just you know throw a fade to Dalton yeah. Kincaid fifty fifty ball. I mean, there's a good chance he comes down with it. If he doesn't, it's gonna be it's gonna be batted down, and and you can have another. You, regroup and recalibrate and, and, and run something else. But yeah, to be yeah. cool to see that, Steve.
3: Yeah, no, uh, that's that's kind of why I say that because I Brant has taken snaps outside. Both him and Kincaid have taken snaps out wide. I think, you know, it's something like it's only six snaps so far this season. They primarily work out of the slot or, you know, attached to the line. But Brant has taken a number of snaps out wide, which is... um or actually, he's taken 11 snaps out wide. So it is something. And that's kind of why I say I see him as, as a wide receiver, a slot receiver, kind of like a Samson Nakua type, uh, you know, where he works primarily in the slot, but you know, he would split out wide occasionally as well. That's kind of how I view Brent. Um, Dalton is obviously, he's more tight end than, than not, but I, I kind of view Keithy as, as more wide receiver just because he has split out wide quite a bit, actually.
2: Yeah. Hey, lastly, um, I think we have to touch on the kicking position because there's a there's a battle there now. Um, yeah. Jaden Redding won the job. He was the better kicker throughout Four camp. Carl Woodingham mentioned his numbers. Statistically, he had a better percentage than uh, Jordan Noyes. Um, but there's a full blown battle. Uh, Jaden Redding has not been good enough this year to solidify that spot. Uh, and it's in it's on him, by the way. When, when you watch those those missed kicks. Uh, The snap's good. Keegan Margriff is is one of the best in college football. The holder, he's the backup punter, and he's really good. He, he, you know, he gets he gets the laces and he hits his spots, and uh, and so it's all on the kick. It's all on it's all on Redding as to why he's missing that. But I tell you, there is no worse feeling as a kicker uh, or a punter, but more so a kicker uh, mentally when you are struggling. Mm. It is a bad, bad place to be. So I, I hope uh, Redding can sort that out as best as he can. But, but there is a full blown battle that's ensuing at the minute for that kicking position. I would not be surprised if Jordan Noyes comes out the winner. I have said from the start uh, when it comes to talent, Noyes uh, has more talent. Uh, it's just that uh, he's never played a game of college, a full game of college football before. He's an English right. fella. Uh, he's only here because he has a a relationship through family with maddie gay and um and so we'll see what we'll see what happens uh but i'm uh, i'm team Noyes for whatever that's worth uh but it's gonna be interesting, interesting steve look if, if Utah wants to be good they're gonna to have to find a kicker it's important uh you gotta you gotta you gotta find points when they come and you know there, there are gonna be there are gonna be scenarios. At some point this year, where you're going to rely on your kicker to win you a game, I have no doubt. It's uh, it happens almost every year without fail. So uh, that that's a big, big question mark going into the USC contest for Carl Winningham and the University of Utah football program. Look, we've um, we've gone on for quite some time for obvious reasons. We hope everybody out there is 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 safe mentally uh, and physically. Look after yourselves. Hug your loved ones. And um, and 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 do everything you can to make the most out of this precious world that we live in. Uh, Nate Wade Subaru. Without them, this podcast wouldn't be possible. So 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 all of our love as it stands right now goes to them. Twenty one oh seven South Main Street. Get on get on down. Talk to the guys down there, and uh, and see if you can get yourself into a car. They got crazy cool deals too going on. Um, used cars, new cars, whatever you're into. There is a very good reason you see so many Subarus. uh on the road here in Utah, it's uh, it, there's a reason for it. Steve, be well, my man. Uh, we'll be back early next week. Uh, who did USC play? By the way, I was going to look at that. Let's.
3: Oh shoot! Who do they play?
2: Let's have a look quickly. Uh,
3: hey, USC
2: plays Colorado. Colorado. Steve. That'll be uh, Colorado. That'll be a, that'll be a, probably a pretty fun game to watch. It's a that'll it's a noon a noon kickoff. You can check it out on the Pac-12 networks. Colorado one and three, the Trojans two and two, but yeah, Colorado with that new head coach, they've got things going. So, um, so we'll see what all what, what all happens. But I'll be watching that one. We'll talk about the USC Trojans and what to expect earlier next week. But for now, enjoy your weekend. Love to you all, and uh, and thank you for tuning in. <music>